Good morning, church. Good morning. We are in a weird in-between time that I'm not entirely sure what to call it um, because uh, it's, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and normally that would mean I'm coming up here and I would greet you by saying Merry Christmas. Don't say it back um, because we're in that weird in-between time where, where it's actually the four Sundays before Christmas that the church calendar says is Advent, which is uh, preparing for the arrival of Jesus. That starts next week. So, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> yeah, next week. Next week, we'll, we'll anticipate Christmas together. So, um, church, I'd love for you to stand with me. As, as we read um, the word of the Lord, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We are wrapping up. We are wrapping up our study in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this. A final word. Do you know what it means when a pastor says a final word? Nothing. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you might be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We are, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you're able to, to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of armor, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. To bring you to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Father, thank you for your word. Mm. Thank you for your word that heals, that comforts, but it, that it also challenges. And I pray, Lord, that what might happen this morning is would continue to be a sharpening um, of your people, a building up of your people, that we would be strengthened this morning, that we would be made to look more and more like your son, Jesus. Help us to be a people that are clothed in you, to know what it is to walk in the fullness of who you are. 
And Lord, continue to build your people up together. May we be a people that know what it is to walk in oneness, to know what it is to submit to one another, to know what it is uh, to put the needs and even the preferences of our brothers and sisters before ourselves. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Feel free to have a seat. We read from Ephesians chapter 6, but the story in 2 Kings chapter 6 goes something like this. It was early in the morning, and, and the servant to the prophet of God got up early in the morning, and he goes outside, and as he goes outside, what he notices is that the hillside is completely surrounded. The hillside is, is absolutely filled with an invading army. And it's actually an absurd scene because what we get, what we gather there in Ephesians, in 2 Kings chapter 6, is as the servant to the prophet looks around, there is the Aramean army. And, and, and the description is, is that, that it's filled with, with soldiers and horses and chariots. And the absurdity of that is, is this, this moment is that this entire army, something like it, you would see described in a Marvel movie, this entire army is sent to seize one man. The, the, the servant to the prophet of God goes back into the house and, 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 he, and, and he tells the prophet Elisha, what do we do now? And Elisha speaks to him with a word that still encourages, encourages us today. Don't be afraid. There are more on our side than there are on theirs. If I'm the servant of God in that moment, I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder. If, I, if I'm the serv servant in that moment, I'm looking around, I'm panning the horizon, and I'm trying to figure out what does Elisha see, because what I see is a vast army, and I see two of us. There are more on our side than theirs. See, I'd be looking at the hillside, and I'd be trying to figure out, is Gandalf about to come over that hill, shining like the sun with an army behind him? I'd be looking around the area and trying to figure out, is Captain America about to come through some portals with all of the Avengers? What do you mean there are more on our side than theirs? And the prophet of God bows his head and prays, and he prays a simple prayer that we should all be lifting up for one another. Lord, open his eyes so that he might see. Instantly, the servant to Elisha can see now over the entire hillside isn't just the Aramean army, but the hillside is filled the description to us in Second chapter, Second Kings chapter six, is that the, the, the hillside is filled with horses and chariots of fire, and it isn't that they just arrived in that moment, but the insight that we're given here is that they had always been there, and now the servant sees with new eyes. He sees a reality that has always been. And you might think that that is the most incredible part of the story, but I would argue what happens next 
is even more incredible. Because if I'm the servant of the God, the servant to, to, the, to the man of God, I, in that moment I'm thinking, yes, now this, this army that's surrounding the Arameans will attack the Arameans on our behalf. But that is not what happens. What happens is the, the prophet Elisha steps forward and he calls out to the army. Not a finger is lifted by the heavenly army. Elisha calls out, And he asked that the Lord would strike them with blindness. And there they are in that moment that the entire army now is blind. And then Elisha says this. I can help you. He doesn't say exactly that. But he says, I can lead you to the man that you're looking for. Why don't you follow me? The scene is, is wild. I don't think we would believe it if we saw it with our own eyes. And there, this entire army follows Elisha to the Samaritans. I don't know what the Samaritans are thinking, but can you imagine? Here they are, just it's, it's literally the blind leading the blind. They're all like holding on to each other, but just following the instruction of, of Elisha as well. And, and so Elisha leads them into the Samaritan camp, and then, then the Samaritans call out to Elisha, Do you want us to strike them? If I'm the servant of God, the servant to the prophet in this moment, I'm thinking, Yes! The chariots of fire didn't attack them, but now the Samaritan army will. And Elisha says, no. No. Make them dinner. Make them dinner. And the Samaritans throw a feast for an enemy army. Our God is not like us. And his ways are not like our ways. Years and years later, a man of God writes a letter to his friends. And he prays throughout this letter for a people that mean the world to him. And the perspective at hand is this. They can't see what he sees. See, the way that they see things, their friend Paul is in chains. The way that they see things is that Paul is held captive by those that are in power and authority. The way that they see things is Paul is in prison. And from their perspective, Paul is at death's door. But here, like the prophet of Elisha prays for his servant, Paul prays for the people of God. And this is the opening prayer that he writes in his letter in Ephesians chapter 1. He says this, he says, I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight 
so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Paul's perspective is not like ours. What we see unraveling over the course of this letter is this. Where they see his chains, Paul sees the church clothed in armor. Where they see his captivity, Paul sees the church walking in salvation and freedom. Where they see Paul in prison because of the authorities, Paul sees the church walking in victory over the powers. Where they see Paul at, at death's door, Paul sees the church raised to new life in Jesus. And where they see him separate from them because of house arrest, Paul sees the church being built together into a holy temple. The message is clear. We need new eyes. We need to see things differently. God is greater. God has overcome. We are a people of hope. We are a people of strength. We, have, we are a people that have been given all of the blessings in the heavenly places. And Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus with this imagery in mind. You see me bound in chains. Your perspective may be that the mission of God has stopped. But what I see, you are a mighty warrior clothed in the armor of God. You are an unstoppable force in this kingdom. And in you and through you, the kingdom of God is advancing in this world. What you may see is that the authorities have me wrapped in chains. But what I see, Jesus reigns over all authority. Everything is under his feet. And so when Paul writes here in Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God, it isn't simply this isolated section that we get to pull out, but we have to read it within this context. And it's this place in which Paul is saying, listen, here are all of the things that we've learned together in this letter. Here are all of the themes that we've covered here together. And now, united together as the people of God, we are going to walk in a new way with all of these things that I've written to you about in mind. And so actually, as you read through Ephesians chapter 6 and about the armor of God, what you'll see, what you'll see as you just begin to spend time with the entire book of Ephesians is Paul is beautifully wrapping up his letter in a way that, that just puts a beautiful bow upon things. Did you guys ever see the TV show Lost? 
The TV show Lost kicked off in such an incredible way. Lost season one, I would argue, is some of the best TV that has ever been written. And as you, you watch season one, all of these questions are in your mind. Your imagination is running wild, and you're just thinking, man, this is the start of something so beautiful. And as the show continues to play out, you just realize, oh, it is so disappointing how they are addressing these beautiful questions that they brought up. And so there was just no resolution to it. Paul is not the writer to the show, to, to the show Lost. What he does is that he brings up all of these beautiful themes, and as he brings his letter to a close, it, it, it just brings such beautiful resolution to everything that he's been speaking to us. And so what I actually want to do this morning is to, write, is to show you some of the themes that he's bringing up here in... Uh, I'll, some of the themes that he's been writing to us throughout the book of Ephesians. And then after we go through these themes, I'm going to read that section again about the Lord's armor. And I hope that what's happening in your mind is that you begin to see, man, Paul is a genius in the way that he's crafted his letter to us. So strength. One of the, one of the themes that, that Paul writes about consistently through the book of Ephesians is about, about strength. Just a, a couple of highlighted verses for you. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In Ephesians chapter 3, he prays again for the church, and this is what he prays. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What you find in the book of Ephesians, when Paul prays for the church, he prays that they would know the power that is made available to them. Would you discover in new ways the depths and dimensions of God's power made available to you. It's Paul's prayer that just like you would have this, this apocalyptic kind of moment. You would have this place of revelation, this aha kind of thing that would happen in your heart where you would realize the well goes deeper. There's more. There is more made available to you. I've read the quote to you before, but C.S. Lewis reflected on this way. This is my endlessly recurrent temptation to go down to that sea 
I think St. John of the Cross called God a sea, and there neither dive nor swim nor float, but only dabble and splash, careful not to get out of my depth and holding on to the lifeline which connects me with my things temporal. You approach the Lord, just don't merely just dabble. Don't just merely put a toe into the goodness of who God is. But the invitation of Paul here is dive deep in. Dive deep in. A handful of weeks ago when Larissa was preaching on Ephesians chapter 3 in that prayer that Paul lifts, brings to the church, it was this, is, listen, you were not just made to just merely taste to sample the power of God, but you were made to be someone that is alive to the fullness of God's power made available to you through Jesus. This is your daily reality. May you have new eyes to see. The power made available to you. Keep on pressing in. Keep on discovering. And as you do so, what you will find is God will meet you in the most desperate and hopeless of situations because he's greater. What you will discover is this. God can strengthen even your inner being. Change is possible. New habits, new desires, new appetites, new attitudes. The Holy Spirit is doing a new and dynamic work within you. He can strengthen your inner being. He is that powerful. Only God can change the human heart. But he can And God can take you into new places of delight and pleasure and satisfaction and joy and love. He's he's better than you realize. He's more powerful than you realize. Press in. Press in. The well goes deeper. But as we think about this, as we think about this, we've got to remember, and one of the themes that will come up later is that this is a y'all book. And, and, and the encouragement given to the body of believers is this. Y'all are more powerful than you realize as you walk together in oneness. And what we need to constantly be alert to is not wasting our time with all of this sideways energy of bickering and complaining and fighting and hostility and warring even with the world around us. When you realize how powerful you are, When you realize the Holy Spirit abiding in you, calling you to mission, suddenly all of these sideways arguments will feel so meaningless because you've been endowed with power to go out into this world. One one of the things that's happening right now in my life is that I can still beat my boys in sports. It's really impressive, guys. I can beat 
two-on-one in basketball. That's really not that impressive. And, and one, of the, one of the things that's, that's taking place, though, one of the things that's taking place, though, is that they've started playing chess, and they'll, they'll start, one will start playing against me, and then their brother will show up, and they'll start pointing out vulnerabilities on the board, and they'll start pairing up together to play against me, and I get so furious because it feels so unfair as I lose <laughs> in chess. But here's, here's what I'm trying to teach them as we play sports together, as we're running around with one another. I've told them flat out, when you start fighting with each other, I'm going to play harder. And what I want them to learn is that when their brother scores, they score. And one of the mantras that I've been trying to teach them over the course of, of their just growing up together, I'll, I'll tell them, listen, what happens when Madrano boys work together? And they'll respond, nothing can stop us. And what Paul is getting across to the church in Ephesus is this, you are more powerful than you realize. Together. Together. You are an unstoppable force for good in this world. One of the other themes that, that Paul brings up, speaking of, of the power that, that, that is happening, flowing in and through the church, is, is he talks about victory over the powers. Listen to the, some of these things, some of these ideas that Paul brings up through, throughout the book of, of Ephesians. He says in chapter 1, now he, speaking of Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. In, in chapter 2, he says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. In chapter 3, uh, Paul tells us that God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And a major theme throughout the book of Ephesians is this, is God is greater than the powers. And what Paul discovers in really rich and dynamic ways when he's talking about the powers, he's, he's introducing... The, to the church of, of Ephesus, there are all these unseen powers, there are all these unseen forces, there are these unseen currents that are at play in the world around us. And as the people of God, what we need to realize is, is that we are always in the place of, of vulnerability to constantly give our allegiance back to the powers that are at play in the world around us. But Jesus is greater than those powers. Jesus is greater. There are unseen powers seeking to influence the world. There are, there are also cultural ideologies, there are customs, there are philosophies that are at play in this world. But they are also the waters that you swim in. And what needs to happen is that you need to have this apocalyptic kind of moment. You need to have this place of revelation where you would have new eyes to see Oh man, I am shaped. I am shaped by the powers that are at play in the world around me. 
And, and, and I've been formed by this world in ways that I don't even realize. But what I'm regularly praying would happen is that I would have awareness of the unseen powers that are at play in this world, and I would realize Jesus' way is greater. And I want to learn what it is to imitate him. I want to learn what it is to walk in his ways and not the ways of the world around me. And so Paul sings a poem over the church. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dirt, and the light of Christ will shine on your head. You don't have to walk aimlessly in the ways of the world around you, but you can walk in the new and dynamic ways. Walk in the way of Jesus. Put on Jesus and stand in him. One of the other themes that Paul visits in the, in the book uh, or the letter to the church of Ephesus, he, he talks about time. He talks about ages. And, and this is what it says in, in a couple of highlighted verses in chapter 1. He says, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven on, and on earth. In chapter 2, Paul reflects on the fact that for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And in chapter 5, Paul reflects, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we brought forward this um, this Venn diagram, I guess that we would call it that way, this way to show that there are two ages that are at play in the world around us. That, that what happened on, on Good Friday and Easter is that Jesus inaugurated a new age. That now what's taking place is there, there was, there's the current age that we live in, but there's also this overlap that's taking place. And there will be a day when, when heaven and earth will be perfectly united together. But now we live in this in-between time. This now and not yet. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated. And Paul reflects with us, you now currently sit in the heavenly realms. But, but this current age still persists. But here's the choice. Here's the decision that you have. When you view your time, you're to ask yourself this question. Do I see that my time, do I believe that my time is captive to this current age? Or do I believe that my time is captive to the age to come? And that will change everything about how you live. And we are to live our days believing that God is the most influential force upon our time. Because we've been made alive in Jesus, my time is no longer captive to the old world that's passing away. My time is now captive to the ways of Jesus.
The next theme that I want to reflect on briefly is y'all. Is y'all. Listen, every chapter, every chapter in the book of Ephesians, Paul brings up this theme, and the church is his body. Together, we are his house. In chapter 3, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. In chapter 4, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is, who is over all and in all and living through all. And in chapter 5, he says this, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I bring all of that up so that I can ask this question. When we read, put on the armor of God, who is Paul talking to? Us. And what I know is that I've, as I've read this section of Scripture, I've, I've primarily read this, this passage as an individual instruction. Vince is to wear the armor of God. But the understanding that Paul is very, very likely bringing to the church in Ephesus is this. You are one body. You are united together. And the instruction to put on the armor of God is a community instruction. And the understanding that we are to have as we are to read that passage is this. I cannot be a severed limb and wear the armor of God. The armor of God is one armor worn by one body. The understanding is that collectively, that's the only way that we can be clothed in all of these different garments that would cover one body. We wear it together. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I highlight that because what I want to bring forward is just, is just two quick lessons that I hope continue to, to, to invade my own heart. Read scripture with a y'all mentality. It, 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 will, it will continue to teach you and show you how you belong to a people. Thanks be to God that this new life is lived out with a new people. And the other understanding that I want to bring forward in that is this, is you never fight alone. We go forward together. Or we don't go forward at all. Next theme that I'll bring forward is, is the Holy Spirit. Again, I want to read quite a few of the, the passages throughout um, the book of Ephesians, but well, here they are. It's in chapter 1. It says, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, who he promised long ago. 
Chapter 2, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. In chapter 3, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Chapter 4, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. In chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul sees the Holy Spirit everywhere. Everywhere. And, and, and he prays that we would have this growing awareness so that we would see the Holy Spirit everywhere. Church, God is closer than you realize. God is more present in your life than you realize. And I know for myself, as I've read through the book of Ephesians, I, I mean, I've just, I've just I've read through it and had no idea just how pervasive, like how, how much the Holy Spirit is highlighted throughout the book of Ephesians. And you, go, and you go and you study and you dive a little bit deeper and you spend time with it and you sit and you meditate and you realize, you have this aha kind of moment where you realize like, my goodness, the Holy Spirit everywhere. And that that is something that's meant to change our hearts where suddenly we would realize as we go throughout our day, my goodness, the Holy Spirit's everywhere. He is present in your life in ways that you don't even realize. But the apocalyptic kind of moment, the revelation that would take place in our hearts and in our minds would be the space where we realize, man, Spirit, you, you surround me. You are with me. You, you, you are available to me. And I can go through my days without, without realizing just how present you are. Give me eyes to see. Let me see how close you are. And the last theme that, that Paul brings throughout his letter is chains. In chapter 3, Paul says this. He says, when I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, though I'm the, jumping forward to verse 8, though I'm the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. And the theme here, and the lesson for me, is that Paul sees his chains as a sign of God's victory, not as a sign of God's defeat. And I think that he intentionally juxtaposes the fact that he's, he's telling the church, like, y'all are dressed in armor while he highlights the fact that he's in chains. And as I've read that this week, I've thought, man, I think, Paul, what you're doing here is you're showing us is that as you look at your chains around your hands and your feet, you see the armor of God. You see that as part of being clothed in Christ. And you, you, you see 
the movement of God in this world in ways that, that I'm just beginning to scratch the surface on. And in those places of suffering, in those in the pit of hell kind of places, I mean, you read through the book of Acts, it's those places that Paul begins to sing in worship. For him, it is proof. It is proof that God is on the move. It, for him, he looks at the chains, and, and it's proof that his life is having impact. It, it's proof that God is up to something significant in and through his life. So let's go back and let's read Ephesians chapter 6 on the armor of God. So all of those themes in mind, this is the word of the Lord. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you are able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your guard, put on the belt of truth and the armor of God's, of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be, a per and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul is not sit in the writer rooms of the show Lost. <laughs> Man, the way that he just so beautifully weaves together all the themes that he's been bringing up. But the other thing that, that I would also highlight is that Paul's imagination is also completely inspired and formed by the Hebrew Scriptures. And as he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, it's not just all the themes that he's bringing up throughout the letter, but he's also kind of bringing a new angle at this. And what he does here in this, in this closing part of, of his letter to the church is he brings to the surface the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah has, has a description of the Lord that's in chapter 59 and and also in chapter 52. This is the way that, that the prophet Isaiah describes the Lord. He, God, was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. 
He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. In Isaiah chapter 52, it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. And what Paul does here for the church of Ephesus by bringing to the surface this imagery of the Lord coming forward and bringing salvation, he's encouraging the church that, listen, God, this is God's armor. God's the one that, who initially wears this armor. And so by extension, what you're doing is is you're clothing yourself in the Lord Jesus Messiah. To go forward in this world, the way that we need to be clothed is like God's promised deliverer. We need to be clothed in Jesus. And so he closes his, his message with this challenge. Listen, be alert and be persistent. Go forward, church, now clothed in Jesus. Go forward and, and, and listen. The way that you will go forward in this world, the way that you will take ground, won't be by our own strategies. And any... any fighting that we do, any advancement that happens, it's going to look like Jesus. It's going to look like the Messiah. We cannot fight in ways that Jesus did not fight. You are called to be an unstoppable force in this world. But go to the next slide. But here's the game plan. Our gear is the Lord Jesus Messiah. Our formation is our oneness. Our fighting tactic is chains and imprisonment. And our mission is to bring the kingdom. Church, you're more powerful than you realize. It all, go back to Ephesians chapter 1. All blessings in heaven have been made available to you. I pray that you have eyes to see how wide, how deep, how long, how wide, I mean, how how much God loves you and how he is for you and how he can do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine. And the call upon the church is go. Go into this world. You're not fighting flesh and blood. Jesus has overcome the the unseen forces that are at play in this world and he's calling you to join him and walk in his victory. So go into prisons. Go into retirement centers. 
go into community gardens, go, in, go into juvenile detention centers, go into hospitals, go into your neighborhood, throw a block party, go to the local school and ask what their needs are, go coach at a local community rec center, go back into your workplace, <laughs> go to your family, go to your enemy, go into Target, go. How beautiful the feet. How beautiful the feet of the messenger that brings good news. Clothe yourself in Christ Jesus and see that you are called to go out. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Y'all, in Jesus, you're the light of the world. You've been sent out. We have a gift for you. We have a gift for you. Um, you guys have passed this around. I, growing up, man, I wanted Jordans. I love shoes, and so I, we thought that by a, a just cool way to wrap up our time in the book of Ephesians is that we would give you guys some shoes. Um, they, they won't fit your feet. <laughs> They'll fit your keychain. Um... Yes, you take your time, dig through the, through the box, figure out which one you want, be picky. Uh, but, but I just pray that this, this would be just a simple reminder to you. Like, go, go out into the world and, and, and bring the kingdom of God with you. Like, go out into the world and, and be a blessing. You have been blessed and, and you were called. You were called to be a blessing in this world. Dominic, would you come back up here and we'll close our time together in song? We, as Dominic comes back up, we actually didn't finish the book of Ephesians. I left out the, the closing uh, two verses. But I wanted to read those, those closing two verses to you this morning as we wrap up our time together and then head into song. Paul closes his letter by writing this, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may, the God, may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ give you love and faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? Let's close in song together. Because you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Now seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise. You sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. 
now seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise, as you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Now seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise, you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave. Now seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise, you reign. As you reign above it all, you reign above it all. It's over the universe and over every heart. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. So let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign. Come on, let's sing that again. You reign. As you reign above it all. You reign above it all. And over the universe and over every heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. So let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. You reign above it all. Father, I ask that we would continue to see that that with you there's more on our side. And that doesn't posture us to be against the world. But it's understanding, Lord, that you reign above all powers and authorities that are at work, that are at play in the world around us. You're greater. Father, I pray that we might continue to, to see that there you're at work in this world. Holy Spirit, may, may our eyes be open that we have revelation to see that you you are persistently, consistently at work in the world around us, in and through our lives. Father, I pray that we would be a people that that go out into this world and as we do so, that we would see women and men and kids come to know the name of Jesus. We would see you overcoming the darkness. So, Father, in the areas of, of our world where we can acknowledge they don't look like heaven, we pray that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done.
Lord, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our city. Lord, we're, we're this, even this past week where we have, we have seen the ugly face of, of sin and death raise, raise its head. Lord, we, we, look, we look afresh to you and, and we ask, would we see your life reign? we see heaven come to earth. Father, for my brothers and sisters in, in this room, I just even, even ask, Lord, where, where they have been praying and asking that, that, that healing would come, where provision would come, where, where reconciliation would happen, where breakthrough would take place, where, where, where chains of, of addiction have, have grabbed a hold of, of maybe their own life or the life of loved ones. greater. You reign above it all. Would you fill our hearts afresh with, with hope, with the trust that you're at work in and through our lives? Would we even see, Lord, as, as a body of believers, that, that you have your hand upon us, upon this beloved community called Faith Community Church. You have your hand upon us. Would we see fresh and new and dynamic ways that you've called us to be your people united together? That you are blessing us, that, that, that you, you have your hand upon us, that you are more present to us than we realize, but you're also calling us to go out into this world and to be witnesses for your name's sake. Lord, where we have taken on a posture of fighting, where we have taken on a posture of hostility, and bitterness and anger, Lord, we pray that you would strip away that kind of a clothing and that we would find that we are being clothed afresh, clothed anew in you. That we'd be a people to go out into this world, that we would walk in joy, that we would walk in peace, that we would walk in humility, that we would walk in grace. Lord, that we would be a people that would say, Lord, we are willing to be in chains if it means that you're setting others free. Lord, we are willing to be a people that suffer if it means that salvation will happen in the world around us. But we want to see you move. We are desperate to see your spirit move in the world around us. Lord, thank you for the privilege that it is to participate, to partner with you, to see your kingdom come. I pray specifically, would Sarah Mesa come to know the name of Jesus because of this community of believers? When we think about maybe even the people in this own, their own rooms and they think about their neighborhood, they think about their street name right now, they think about the, the name of the building of their workplace, they think about the places that they step into. And Lord, the prayer is, would your kingdom come? Would you reign there? Would you do exceedingly abundantly above every, even what we can ask or imagine? Lord, use this people. Use this people to bring the kingdom. 
So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.